Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alves, and tonight we've got part two of my special Today We're Believers 10th Anniversary Run-Through. Last week, if you missed it on Friday, was the first half. Bucky Dredger, Matt Peters joined me for an extensive song-by-song run-through of the album. So the first half was uh, broadcast. You can find it on UMFM.com if you missed it. Uh, And we are going to run through the second half of the record over this show in advance of their two-night anniversary show at the Park Theater next Wednesday the 22nd and Thursday the 23rd. The 23rd already sold out. I believe there's still some tickets left for the 22nd. If you go to the Park Theater website, you'll be able to get them there. Uh, My thanks to Bucky and Matt for their time and for uh, their memories as they ran through this record. A great one. Uh, as I said in the first half, uh, this was a record that I nominated for the Polaris Prize once I got on the jury and, uh, of course, voted for. Wish it would have done uh, a little better, but it's a, still a beloved record and getting its due on its anniversary. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. So then do you remember kind of... You've, like you said, Bucky, having to consciously think, oh, let's write a couple bangers that, you know, turn the BPMs up. And having Show Me Your Eyes already kind of exist, were you thinking like something that marries well with it on birthday? Like, were, were you conscious of kind of like th- those two songs kind of going together at that point? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if we were. Yeah. I, 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 think I think in some ways, probably we did a mistake by putting them together because we wanted to spread out the BPMs, but that's where it ended up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So uh, let, let's kind of talk about the, the genesis of those two songs. You mentioned that Show Me Your Eyes existed already. Mm-hmm. It, was it... Like thematically, did you felt that it just kind of you could return to it and, and tie it into this record, or was it just like a a band favorite? Like why? Yeah, I think so, and I I think that we like we had always really really liked this one, and but we had sort of you know you see things in certain ways, like we had seen it in a certain light, and then once we started to kind of bring it into this party, it was suddenly like oh this is a good this is a good person at this party. And it started to it started to feel right, because um, you know I feel like when you're like it, I, I I don't think like depending on how conceptual you are, of course, but like I feel like when you're writing when you're writing a, an album, unless you have a have a really specific concept in mind, I feel like for the most part, at least for myself and I think for our band, I don't think we 
we are ever really thinking too much like intentionally about larger themes i think that the larger themes are a byproduct of what you're feeling right and as opposed to uh the the feeling being a byproduct of the theme unless you're being conceptual with something like a you know an album that's like all about something really specific but i so i feel like this song is another one of those songs like just enough that's sort of like capturing this this like this high that we were all on and i feel like it as this album was wrapping up and as we were recording it i just i yeah i just remember that time so clearly as being uh just so exciting for us as as like just in every way of you know feeling like we had finally found that thing that you're always looking for as an artist and as a like at the time especially like we were all been playing in bands for so long and i think that like having feeling like like these were your these were your brothers this was your family it was a feeling that that like especially as we were playing more shows and we're out on the road a bunch more and we'd already had like stupid things like we totaled a van and we'd gone through some absurd crap already together and you felt this bond really forming and uh yeah this one this one you know like all of the songs in the record i, I feel like they, they're kind of capturing that like riding that wave sensation did you have to rework the song sonically at all to fit with the rest of the record like was it already kind uh, of know, hinting at where you guys were going i don't think so no i don't think we did actually i remember this one and i i mean i'm sure they're not listening so it's not a problem but i remember this one starting with uh, the guitar at the beginning is actually a sample of CCR. It's like, I remember, I can't remember which song it is, but I just know that I had that in my, in MP3 folder, threw it into a sampler. And uh, it's like the start of some, it's like the first chord of a CCR song, just resampled over and again. Of course we replayed it. Maybe even the final version is, is, isn't even that, but I just remember we used that to write the song. And we were doing a lot of that sort of sampling, often of ourselves, um, often recreated, sometimes snuck in, uh, um, you know, whoops, illegally. But we uh, that that was something that like, I've always really liked about this one is that it, you know, it, it definitely has that guitar, but there's something about it that feels like it's it's guitar, but it's being it's, you're, you're thinking of it through a different lens because of how sampled it is. Yeah, like even playing that guitar part after the fact on guitar, it's like these are not chords or finger shapes that I would naturally have selected when creating a song. And I think that was something like that sampling process did for us was like sort of pulled us out of our like go-to things on our, our various instruments and sort of like challenged us to think beyond how we had normally played that instrument in the past totally allowed you to kind of break out of some habits maybe or exactly yeah so and i mean i think for me in general on this record too was just like uh i was definitely i remember like being very like adamant about as much as possible trying to make my guitar not sound like a guitar with royal canoe uh, that sort of evolves in the later parts of the band. But like, I just remember like wanting to be like, I want to 
see what sorts of other sounds I can make with this instrument that aren't kind of, you know, from the from the canon of guitar sounds. I, and I feel like at that at the time too, like in that mid, you know, 2010 to 2015 era where we did made a lot of our Royal Canadian music. I feel like that was an exciting time in where uh, production was going and it's particularly um, sampling and working in uh, a DAW, doing creative work in a DAW like we did in Pro Tools. Then we moved on to Ableton later on, but at that time, like, you know, there's so many new plugins, which are now just ubiquitous plugins everyone uses, but there's a lot of new things being developed in this company called Sound Toys made this plugin bundle that everyone still uses constantly, but you can hear it in all of everything. You know, people would start to use effects on not just pedals, but do th doing things on the recording side, um, in the mixing side, afterwards as a creative tools to try to find new sounds. And I felt like that, that it would have been a lot more difficult to make this record in 2000, like 10 years earlier because there just weren't the tools available at the time. But this was right when those things were available, they were reasonably priced, and we had been building up collections of different plugins and pedals and all the keyboards, all of those things. But it was just, this was the time when like a lot of those sorts of sounds were, it was just easier to, to get to them. It's interesting. It sounds like there was like an embracing of certain tools. And then what Bucky's talking about, you know, making sure his guitar didn't sound like a guitar, like a rejection of some tools, or at least, you know, an attempt to mask those tools. Yeah, it seemed like I feel like if it was new sounding, we were into it. If we had heard it before, we probably weren't interested in it. So you'd mentioned that, you know, uh, Show Me Your Eyes was something that existed, but then helped up the BPM, but birthday was a wholly original creation to help, you know, keep that BPM up. What was the, the genesis of birthday? Like, how did that song come about? Like when you say, Hey, I want to write something that's, you know, pumping up those BPMs. How do you, how do you go about doing it? And why, how does birthday end up being what, what comes out of that? I think the start yeah. birthday was actually was like Matt Schellenberg started that one. I think he started this idea and it was like just the keyboard and maybe like keyboard and a vocal idea to start with, just very simple structure to start. And, and then we came on, we all came in and, you know, structured up the song and built up all the, the instruments and everything and wrote the chorus. Um, but I think it came out just as like a, like a, you know, like a lot of the ideas where you just, you're throwing things at the wall and you're probably not being super intentional. Although maybe with this one, we did think like, let's have something a little faster. Um, yeah. You... And I think, I feel like the drum beat was pretty early on too from yeah. Derek. Yeah. Uh, very early in the process because it is a pretty like quick, busy driving drum beat, snare heavy energy beat as we, I don't know, <laughs> that was a phrase we used that we laughed at a lot back in the day. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, and I mean, that's the case, I think, with a lot of canoe stuff, especially in that era, was like the the drums and rhythm came, always came very early, and, and in a lot of cases, even was the, the seed hmm. from which a song grew, uh, which again, was, I think, probably a rejection or in response to our past projects that were very much like, 
you write a song with a guitar, a piano, and a voice, and then you build everything out. This is like, well, what if we start with like the rhythm and the vibe and the the sort of create the sonic environment, and then we build the song from there. And I think the song was kind of that way too. So, kind of building from a from a pattern or a, a feel up rather than like a melodic line. Exactly. And I think in a lot yeah. of like the way I would describe how most Royal Canoe songs start it, you know, there's a few exceptions, but uh, later on there, maybe we would veer from this, but mostly we would start with, for lack of a better term, like a vibe. And that could be a drum loop, an eight bar drum loop with like, maybe like a little bit of atmosphere. It could be a chord progression or a sample, but over a drum loop, you know, and often as Bucky said, I think, and I think a lot of that comes from like, like we were all listening to a lot of hip hop at the time. And I think that, I think a lot of that comes from that influence of like building from the drums up. Um, and, and just like we had two drummers, <laughs> you know, and I think that also, again, it goes back to what I've been keep returning to, like you use the things that are available to you. And you try to innovate with with those tools. And I feel like we had this great luxury of having two amazing drummers who could both play acoustic drums, could both play electronic drums. And we had the tools to recreate that on stage with a drum pad and drum set, which is just this amazing luxury. Um, and I think it allowed us to have these big drums and these really focused drum sections. And knowing that like, if we ever had to play this live, we have, you know, we have the goods to pull it off. How did you end up with two drummers? Like, was that a conscious thing to have two drummers? It came out of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I or did it, it just come out of making things and needing... It, it no, it came, out of, it came out of co-op mode, the, the old album. We tried to recreate that with one drummer, and it just wouldn't work. This is my memory, Bucky. Maybe Correct me if you remember differently, but we... It, we just didn't have enough uh, we just didn't have enough hands and feet um, yeah. on the drummer so we needed to we needed to find another one and uh, I remember we actually there there were at the very beginning there were a couple other people who had been drumming as well for us um, but then it all kind of came together and coalesced with with um, with Derek and, and Michael um and uh but it came again came out of like we have to recreate these songs how are we going to do that oh derek has a drum pad uh that's great that'll allow us to play that part but then how do you still play the acoustic part oh we need another drummer and you know it just it just kind of built from there and then when we kept playing these new songs obviously we knew that that would be something that we had available to us yeah I, it's funny I, I think back to like that era and even maybe just a few years before it seeing caribou at the jazz fest with two drummers like one of the like loudest most intense shows i've ever seen because of those those two drummers and and so was that at uh was that at the albert i think it was at the pyramid okay yeah yeah just kind of like feeling like the the floor shake when those two drummers were playing was just like oh yeah this is this is a crazily intense experience
turn to night crawling uh, wh- what can you tell me what do you remember about the, the, the genesis of this track oh boy um man i feel like this is me and me and matt maddie p right here uh, this is <laughs> such a funny start to this song because we wrote it on a wurlitzer organ just a wurlitzer organ and bucky and i singing and 
it's you just you don't it's so funny how like things develop and change this was also one of the first songs and i think that 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 started to sort of fill in the space of what this band was going to be and i know we had exodus already maybe we had the beginning of holding to the metal but probably not at this point we might have just had exodus which is so weird when you compare those two songs but uh we wrote this and this was actually maybe the only character song remember i was saying like co-op mode had all these characters this is the only character song and we wrote it based on one of bucky's what of what of bucky's friends i don't know how much you want to get into it bucky but someone that you knew that it's not really a friend yeah maybe not a friend i can i can acquaintance no yeah so like there was a there was a cabin that my like grandparents built that i went to as a kid a bunch and, and uh and uh there was a neighbor who was uh always a little bit troublesome to say the least like i was like getting just hammered and and yelling and kind of being a bit of a nuisance when i was a little kid i didn't really know what was going on but as i got older like i'd go back sometimes and in the winter we were there once i was there uh in the winter and uh he was just like out in his ice fishing shack just off the shore being a little bit unhinged and we were getting a front row seat to sort of his arguments and and tensions with his romantic partner at the time and and uh so this is sort of like a, a song about this like this character who is sort of I don't know. We tried to draw some uh, metaphorical parallels between the the tumult of his romantic relationship and uh, and ice fishing, I guess. <laughs> and I feel like in all of these Royal Canoe character songs, there's always the desire to sort of find something sympathetic and human about someone who's maybe somewhat contentious. And I feel like that we are also, you know, really pushing in this song. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I, and you know what? I, it's so funny because it has this such a deep, obviously very affected vocal, which sort of you know defines this song in a lot of ways. Like I feel like finding that pedal was such a huge part of Royal Canoe sound and where it kind of went because we started running every single instrument through it. Like on the today we're believers. Like there's an organ at the beginning of the song. That's rent. That we put the pedal through that. We put countless guitars through it but this sort of the purest form of it of you know my voice being pitched down in octave and having almost none of the dry voice in there and uh, we were kind of doing our best at the time I guess it was like we had heard bands like The Knife uh, and Fever Ray doing and, and Ween doing a lot of vocal pitching and so this was we had you know Bucky like I said Bucky and I wrote this song on on organ and then we had these, these drums come in and then we were going to try it out and we were going to just kind of keep it like vocals and drums. And then I remember that day finding this, this, this pedal that in the waking eyes we had bought and literally never used. And I'd try, I was going to sell it once and I, I like totally forgot to sell it. And then it just been sitting on the shelf and I tried it a few times and didn't really get much out of it. And then I remember, uh, actually our friend uh current uh ndp candidate uh dave pankratz for waverly uh was playing was playing drums at the time in royal canoe which is kind of hilarious but he had you know he was on this drum pad 
playing the beat that we had been using. And I just sort of on a whim plugged this vocal pedal in and uh, I set it to mix to 100 and pitched it down and moved the formant down. And I remember like the very first like five seconds of that and then continuing through of just like having a bit of an epiphany moment of being like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a thing. This is a, this, I can see. And then your head, you, without even thinking about it, you can sort of filter through and see like how you can use this pedal and everything. And it really became like this moment of like, oh, there's our sound. And it's not just the vocals, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of found its, it kind of found its way into everything that we do. So it allows you to take on this character with the vocals for this particular track, but becomes like emblematic of what you can do with all the instrumentation later on. Yeah, like all all the voices on Today We're Believers, you know, I was talking about like Morgan and Celeste, that's all this pedal, um, you know, count like just so much stuff is is this pedal shaping the the, 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 the character of the voice in different ways and other instruments. Yeah, and I think like it also just like we were talking about before with guitar stuff. It's like we were in these early days. We were really just trying to like push the boundaries of what our understandings were of like sort of traditional instruments. And in this case, that included the voice. And this sort of gave us a tool to kind of have a lot more colors and textures in Matt's voice specifically to tap into, depending on the song and. I think we didn't really feel like a, a need to like be like, oh, we need this like super identifiable voice on every single song that like carries through. It was more of like what sort of like vocal quality serves the feeling of this song best. And then let's just do that. You mentioned this was, you know, one of the early songs written for, for the record and it was a character song and coming out of co-op mode where there were other character songs. Was there some point at which you decided to move away from character songs purposefully yeah i i think for like the other song that worked uh the other first you know song from this era which was exodus i think that's when it sort of clicked uh because nothing also just nothing was really working anymore in that you know in that co-op mode style it just didn't feel right anymore and i think because like the story sort of of our band and this emotional journey we were going through as we were sort of discovering this music together and, and, and finding this shared sense of, you know, purpose of, for lack of a better term. I feel like we had, there was just, there were more interesting things to talk about, about ourselves and sing about with ourselves in our own, uh, just what we were going through at that moment in our lives. That was, that just felt so refreshing and, and new that, um, yeah, I didn't think that we we didn't need to sort of dwell in in storytelling uh, outside of that. Stay out my shine. Oh, can't you see I'm busy? Oh, 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 oh,
Well, it's funny to say about, you know, talking about yourselves and being kind of more in, in tune with that rather than, you know, taking on personas because stemming to me feels like a much more personal track. Is that the right read? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that one is a pretty good example of something we tried to do a lot lyrically uh, on this record was just like not trying to like hit people on the head with, you know, uh, turns of phrase that makes some grand statement about the state of the world, but rather like trying to like hone in on these like very specific and particular moments, our experiences and trying to just paint a picture. I mean, much like we were doing with the sound, trying to create a, a space and a vibe and a feeling and a texture for people to like live in. And I think lyrically too, like this song for all intents and purposes about making out with someone in the rain and in the early parts of relationship and sort of that, that exciting feeling about having this like really like intimate connection with somebody in these early days and sort of the feelings that go along with that, but rather than kind of just say that, we just tried to like sort of, yeah, paint this picture of, uh, of what was going through people's heads of, of the situation of the scenario and sort of allow the listener to pull from that, from that image, uh, you know, whatever yeah. meaning or feeling they want. I feel like that era, I mean, in this song is just, it's it really like what he's saying, it's just a sort of series of images. And I think that like, I remember what it, it's, I know the moment, but I also know what's what's kind of what what kind of like spawned the idea to write about that. And I think it's because the music, and I'm pretty sure Bucky started the this one. It's like this, like almost like hissy sample sound that starts the song. Um, and it's like you know, I'm sure it's a sample of something that's been affected so much that we don't owe them writing. But <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Um, this, one, this one maybe we won't tip the hand on yeah we won't tip the hand on this one but uh of uh, it's i remember hearing that and and it brought back a memory and i think that that is something that again it goes back to our style of like our, our process which is often about creating this feeling creating a vibe creating like painting a picture with music and then and then from that, you're going to, it's going to pull an emotion. It's going to pull a moment or an experience or a feeling out of you just naturally. You, you shouldn't have to fight too much against it because something's in there that's making you make music like that. And I feel like this is a good example of, of sort of like the lyrics responding to the music.
Speaking of creating a vibe, uh, light is a particularly vibey track. <laughs> we, it's funny. I think, I think about that one being like, I think that we easily could have called this song. I know at first they're in the same session in Pro Tools, but it could have been like stemming slash light. But right. we didn't, we didn't want to have us. Then this album would have been five minutes and forty five seconds. And then seven minutes and 19 seconds, and then six minutes and 27 seconds to end. And we were like, that's just too much. We're not doing that to anybody. But really, it's one, it is like sort of a continuous track. It's sort of like the extension of stemming. So it's just kind of like yeah, luxuriating in that vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I, my recollection of this one was like, you kind of use that vocoder voice that you were jamming on at the end of stemming you're kind of like ad-libbing some lyrics and sort of getting a a feeling going there because i think uh, first uh, off at the end of stemming we love just that big straight ahead drum beat so much and that bass line and it just felt like we needed to like ride that groove as long as it would take us because it was so satisfying and so I think Matt was playing around with like some vocoder melodies and words. And then kind of like when the loop stopped, Matt kept going hmm. and improvising a bunch of things. And, and I, you know, we tweaked it down the line, but it just felt like the song kept going. And then I think at a certain point, I think it was me who was just like, I think this needs to like arrive somewhere again. Um, and so I like looped this one phrase that Matt had sung and I just tried to build something over top. So I really think it was a very like haphazard, like uh, I like spent an hour just like grabbing a bunch of different like samples and sounds and chopping them up in pro tools and just like haphazardly sort of pasting them around until it was this like off kilter rhythm thing. But, But it was all about just like, wanting to land on something a little more manic and chaotic maybe uh and, and then i try to find that and then i remember the 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 actual vocal sample uh of the word light that was something that i we used this sampler program and all of this sort of like light 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 all of that stuff is just this one sample and i remember i'm i think it was just like this one take of like me almost like showing you or Matt like well it could be something like this 
And then it just kind of ended up being the thing. It's like how it often is. It's like, no, no, no. Like we could do something like this. And then you just kind of like do something. You're like, oh yeah, I guess that's it. You know, you're, you, you, you think you're, you're just trying out an idea, but you're actually writing the idea. And uh, so then of course we had to call the song light because it, literally the sample happens like 520 times. So there was, there was no other option. It, it doesn't so, so much suggest the song title as demand the song title. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> you were talking. I, I, like, I was going to say like, I liked, I like how the, there's, there's two different ways you can do that kind of sampling too. Like where you can have the word light every time you sample it, regardless of the pitch, it can be the same duration. So it sort of stretches it out, but drops the pitch. Um, but then you can also resample with um, where it, if it slows down the sample, to, or it, it achieves the, uh, the lower or the higher pitch by, by slowing down or speeding up the sample, which obviously makes the word really short if it's high and makes it really long if, if, you, if you make the pitch really low. And so in this particular case, uh, we allowed that the the words to sort of stretch out and elongate when they were low and get really short, which I think gives it that sort of unique sort of like percussive section, but then also allows it to be like a really like drawn out and almost like drunken Lord kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, the the like hard sell of the five four in the the previous track. Yeah, this is an even more. Uh obdurate uh, kind of time signature when you get into those drawn out and clipped things yeah do we have time to write the syllables born on our tongue left for the air let's save them back let's save them back Let's save them back. Let's save them back. Make them hold on. 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 Make them hold on.
at the very beginning, we were talking about how t- Today We're Believers, written, you know, on the shores of Omens Creek during the spring. It, if I had a house, has kind of more of a, like, man, fall's almost done and it's winter vibe, maybe, like, psychologically. Exactly. I would, exactly. You know, I, there's a lyric, I'm looking at lyrics right now that I forgot about, which is why I'm looking at them. But uh, I was warmer when the nights were younger. Uh, it, I think I was thinking about that yesterday, how this just this feels like the end. Of, this song kind of feels like the end of summer. So was it written with with that in mind or is that line just kind of, you know, suggests that without it never consciously kind of being like a, an end to something? I think we knew it was the last song as soon as that outro started to develop. It, it felt like this is how we need the album to end. Like we couldn't, I think that's something that we often have struggled with, with our shows is like, we have a lot of songs that sound like the last song because of this propensity to not wanting to end. If you get to 10 to, you know, always want to go to 11 at the end, <laughs> the kind of maximalist in all of us. Um, but uh, this song just felt like, you know, there was nowhere. That was all we kind of had left to say at the end of it. I remember uh, when we wrote this one, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the very genesis of the idea was me on drums and Bucky on bass. And then I think we switched off. Right, yeah. And uh, yeah, this song as well is in seven, uh, seven over eight or seven over four, however you want to count it. Time signature. Um which is exactly the kind of thing like where me not being like much of a drummer would play and not be thinking about that much, you know? And uh, yeah, I kind of started with the bass and the, and the drums. And then in true fashion with a lot of the other songs, it was something that then we had this initial idea. Now, how do we build it up? Do we have a verse melody? And then how do we, you know, where does it go from here? Does it stay in this weird time signature? And I think we just, we knew that we just kind of wanted to ride that as far as we could take it. So the song just sort of relentlessly continues in this odd time signature, which I've always really liked seven, because it feels like it resets every single time. It's almost like it gets to the end of the idea, but before you can finish the idea, it starts over again. Is that kind of like a, I I don't want to let it go kind of thing? Like, is there a conscious thought to like, I, I, I don't know how to end because I don't want it to end? I like that. I'd never thought of that, but I really like that idea.
but you fucked it up. Fuck it up now, fuck it up now.
Well, uh, I mean, it's the end of the album. It's the, it's the end of this talk. But before I let you go, so we're going to remind folks, Wednesday, November 22nd, Thursday, November 23rd at the Park Theater. It's the 10-year anniversary show for this album today. We're Believers. Are you guys playing it front to back? Is that the plan? Or what's the the idea for the actual shows? I, we will play the whole thing. I think we might we might play some like other sort of b-sides and stuff from that era somewhere in the in the middle maybe at the vinyl side break or something uh but yeah it'll be it'll be the record the whole record plus plus a a bit of extra stuff from from the era and uh yeah and i also want to plug that we'll have a a new deluxe vinyl edition of this record that has a couple of those b-sides from the era on it and uh it's on like a beautiful punch colored vinyl and there's some extra liner notes and photo collages and stuff and yeah it was a really fun and nostalgic package to put together well i appreciate you guys uh pulling a little nostalgia with me here on on this show uh matt and bucky thanks very much for for taking some time today thank you for having us michael it was a lot of fun to do that and thanks for being a supporter from 2010 till now (laughs) my pleasure
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You just heard Caught in a Loop, one of the bonus tracks from the 10th anniversary edition of Today We're Believers. Uh, I don't know if they'll have copies of that for sale next Wednesday and Thursday at the Park Theatre, but certainly uh, keep your eyes out on the merch table if you're at those shows. Uh, My thanks to Matt and Bucky for participating in a uh, very lengthy recap of that album. We've got two more bonus tracks for you uh, from our friends at Birthday Cake Records. Uh, this is Summer Sweat and Blood Rush. Then we got some new stuff from Kristen Ludwig and Sarah Morrison. Uh, keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
from her album Attachment Figure, that is Florida artist Sarah Morrison with Knowing Thyself. Before that, from her new album Sunbeam on Oscar Street Records, that's Kirsten Ludwig with Ups, Downs. We played stuff from her previous releases. Great, as always. Going to hand things over to After 8 Radio in just a few minutes, but we got a couple of contemporary soul tracks for you before we go. Drama's new album, Till We Die, features the title track, Till We Die, Inshallah. And then Gary Beals. Uh, we've played some Claire Davis and Afros. He's pals with those two singers out on the same label, LRK. The album's called Melody Within. It's all of me here on 101.5 UMFM.